Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, it's a little bit after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joey Anderson here, Big Al Clopine, hanging out for the next few hours talking financial planning, taxes, retirement, investing, um, and estate planning yeah, today. today. Yeah, I think what next segment. Uh, yeah, we're going to get Nicole Newman on. Yes. So she's an estate planning attorney in Orange County, um, and we're doing a workshop, a special workshop up in Orange County, California coming up here Tuesday night, 6 o'clock to 7. It's the 10 estate planning mistakes that you should avoid. So that should be fun. Yes, that's that's got to be a must-see. A must. It's like must-see TV yes. right there. Yep. Estate planning 101. Um, and uh, I don't know. We got a whole hodgepodge full of stuff today. Boy, you're not kidding. I mean, we got... There's way more than we can have time to talk about, so we'll just do our best. And I want to get into uh, we. I get questions often um, about Social Security, and I want to touch on that. But I think I want to combine the strategies when it comes to when to take Social Security, how to create the you know how to maximize the overall benefit because all the little tricks and gadgets are kind of done. Right. Uh, the file and suspend the the restricted application. It still works for people that turned over sixty two at the end of December thirty first of twenty. 15, so you can still file a restricted application. And if someone was filed and suspended their benefit, they can still, they're grandfathered in to do that. Correct. That's but, true. But if they didn't file and suspend by what, May 1st, April 29th, yeah. then that, that shot. So on the show, we used to talk quite a bit about what that meant and how we can add additional benefits. There's still a lot of things that you can do when it comes to Social Security for a lot of individuals. Um, it, it could be well worth over, what, a million dollars of income over their lifetime, depending yeah. on, of course, their life expectancy. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, and that's because when you look at the, the benefits that you get, I mean, uh, someone that makes a pretty good income may expect a couple thousand dollars of income per month at full retirement age. And, and you know what, Joe, by um, by 70, if they wait till 70, it's approaching $3,000 a month and uh, in some cases more, uh, actually. But uh, yeah, you add those up for several years and then with the, your spouse and potential spousal benefits and survivor benefits. Yeah, we have seen Social Security benefits in, reach, reach a million dollars. And so then it's looking at, okay, well, how do you utilize this benefit to maximize the overall retirement, right? Yeah. So if you're listening to the show to figure out what's the best way to create income for my retirement, well, you came to the right spot because that's what we do every single day. But then we look at unique strategies to say, all right, well, how can we maximize someone's assets and the potential entitlements from Social Security to make sure that they can maximize the amount of income that they can live off of to enjoy the lifestyle that they're accustomed to? Um, and then it's figuring out, all right, well, here, well, what should I do? Should I take my Social Security right away? Should I take it at full retirement age or should I push it off? Well, you, you look at Social Security in a box there. Then what most people do is this, Al. They'll say, all right, well, Joe, Al, I ran the calculation. If I take it at 62, I get it four years earlier, or maybe four years and six months earlier, and then I added up all my benefit, and then if I wait till 66 or 66 and whatever months or 67, the break-even right, is about age 79, 81, 82, whatever assumptions that they use, right? Sure. 
Well, you can't look at planning in a box, in my opinion. Right. Because once you start combining different strategies and taking a look at a holistic view of your overall situation, this is where the maximization happens. If I go to a, a trainer, right? And say, hey, I want to be a beef, you know, just ripped and like have this great body. Right. And then he says, okay, well, here's some weights and then let's just w work on your arms. Right. Well, no, I mean, you need to work on a full body routine. And then you also have to have a diet. You also need some sleep. Right. I mean, it, it's just you can't look at one thing in a silo. That was a stupid analogy, but you get where I'm coming from. <laughs> I, I am right with you. I'm, I'm following. <laughs> because you're looking for that, that beautiful body, Al. <laughs> but you can't just go to the, the trainer that has the biggest arms. Yeah, well, you are right, Joe. And that's, that's certainly true when it comes to finances and financial planning and retirement planning. Because, I mean, we have a lot of people that come to us and said, say, what should I invest in? Yeah. It's like, well, that's a, that's a question that we'll get to after we figure out, well, what do you want to spend in retirement? What are your goals? Do you want to get a better home or, or a vacation home? Are you willing to downsize? What's the, yeah, what's the money for, yeah, first of all? What's the longevity and you know what, what kind of lifestyle? Let's start there. And then let's, uh, let's see if we can save you some taxes along the way, maybe a lot of taxes along the way with some strategies. Okay, now when we, we sort of know what you want to spend and what the goals are and how we can save you taxes, now we can figure out what sort of inde family index, we call it, your rate of return that's required to meet your goals. And so that's what we call goals-based investing. In other words, you're, you're investing to meet your goals. You're not investing just to hope for a return. Right. That sounds really boring, though. Yes. Right? Yeah, it does. Versus going because, down. Because it takes some work. Right. Before just sitting down and saying, hey, you know what, uh, we use the tactical allocation and uh, we're targeting a 12% rate of return. Yeah. And here's this, you know, charts that we've, I mean, that's exciting. That that gets the blood going. Hey, sure. 12%. But, you know, I think more and more people are getting educated that it's very difficult to get superior rate of return without any additional risk. Yeah, right? I, I would I would agree with so that. So if you want a 12% rate of return, I think most people, hopefully, I think the people that listen to our show or podcast understand now that it's like there's no holy grail. You can't achieve these very high returns without the the, the additional risk. Yeah, right. And and some some that do. I mean, we have people come to our office that'll say, "Joe, Al, I can get 12, 14 percent by investing in trust deeds, and and they're safe. They're secured by real estate." And then we remind them, "Well, what happened in two thousand eight when there was a real estate collapse?" Oh, well, that's a black swan. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I lost a bunch of money, but that's probably not going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, I went broke. Well, filed <laughs> bankruptcy. But guess what? I just saw another deal. Yeah, and, and so, I know this guy. And so that's the whole point here. There, when you get really good rates of return, there's risks involved, no matter what the investment vehicle is. So I want uh, a little bit later on in the show. I, I want to combine a couple strategies when it comes to tax planning and your Social Security benefits to maximize that as much as possible. And it's, I, I think, when you look at still the statistics, Alan. Most people take their Social Security as soon as they can get it. They, that is. And I think most people still plan their retirement on their Social I just sat down with a very nice couple, hypothetically, and the individual thought that he was going to get fired after age 66. He goes, well, no, they won't let me work after I reach my full retirement age. Yeah, it's a, it's a federal law. <laughs> I go, what do you mean they won't let you work? He's like, yeah. Oh, well, well, no, I turned 66. They won't let me continue to work while I take my Social Security, will yeah, they? Yeah, that's, 
I go, well, you know what? If they fire you at 66 because you turned 66, I go, that's your retirement because you sue the hell out of them. <laughs> that's age discrimination. <laughs> that's age discrimination, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess I never really thought of that. Because, right? Well, why do you want to retire at 66? I love my job. I, I, would, yeah. I would like to continue that's to work. I have to. I have to. Now, there well, are, are you a pilot? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There are jobs that are like a pilot, for example, because they figured, well, maybe your reflexes aren't as, as good as they used to be. Your eyesight is not as good. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, but we, he's a salesman. <laughs> no. Yeah, His hands aren't as steady, so he can't sell as well. Yeah, he's selling like manufacturing, you know, chemical supplies. Got it. I think you're good. I think you're going to well, be all right. dangerous chemical supplies, I don't know. Well, well, he's what, carrying them around. Yeah, I, I, I suppose if he's like lifting, <laughs> you know, 200-pound drums, yeah. I suppose you, you, you could, could say, it. hey, you know, you physically can't do the job. Right. Right. Yeah. So... But I think, wouldn't they have to put him in the home office or something? I don't know. Whatever. Well, you think so, or they'd bring him a younger assistant. Yeah, sure, yeah. So what we're going to get into today is just all about cash flow, right? You need to generate cash flow uh, to create the income. Cash flow is king when it comes to retirement. And do you have a strategy and plan in place to make sure that you can provide the income that you need? I would say most of you do not. And if you're trying to tackle this alone, I would consider having a second thought there because there's all sorts of different types of risks once you get into retirement. And, you know, the answer to all of this is not some off-the-shelf, one-size-fits-all solution. The answer is having a plan that makes the most out of all of your resources. And when everything works together, you'll be shocked at the result. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner with uh, Alan Colfine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Alan, we got a very special guest on the line. I know. I can't wait. We got Nicole Newman. She's an estate planning attorney. We're actually doing an estate planning event in Orange County, Orange Coast College. Coming up here soon, June 14th. Are you going to be there, Alan? Uh, I would sure like to be. So well, you're, we are I'm, talking estate planning, and your age is not a youngster anymore. You know what? That's a good point. I'm a part of the baby boomers. There's a lot to learn when it comes to estate planning. Nicole, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Hey, well, let's kind of dive into a couple of different things. So what you're going to be talking about is about 10 different estate planning mistakes that people avoid. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm from Minnesota, and I was lived, grew up about maybe a mile and a half from Prince Rogers Nelson, and he passed away without any type of estate plan. So what are some of the things that people should, and I think it's more prevalent now because of a famous individual dies without an estate plan. I think more and more people now are, are looking at, hey, maybe I should get something together here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, Prince dying without a will definitely caused a, a small flood of business for us um, in our uh, office. We had a lot of people that um, really had to face uh, what decisions that they have made. We had them call and they say, I just can't even believe that that Prince died without a will. And, and it made them stop and think, well, wait a minute, I haven't done anything either. And, and they're really seeing in the media what's playing out. Uh, well, where are his assets going to? And we have these uh, brothers and sisters coming out of the work and these people that are going to potentially inherit his estate that 
Um, it sounds like he didn't have much to do with, and it's really making them reflect and say, well, wait a minute, what's going to happen if uh, I pass away? So it's, it's kind of been a, um, an eye-opener for a lot of people. And in the seminar, my seminar of the 10 most common mistakes uh, that I see people make that come through my office, that is actually mistake number one. That's one of the biggest mistakes. What, is they so, have died and didn't do anything. So so what happens? So basically Jerry Brown takes over, doesn't he? And then um, the kind of the state <laughs> takes over there? Yeah, so what happens if you fail to plan for your death, then each state has their own backup plan for you. So here in California, we have a backup plan. The probate court has a backup plan for you, rather. And that is called intestate succession. So that's where uh, your loved ones will have to go to court, and the court is going to decide where, when, and how your assets are going to be distributed. But before those assets are ever going to be distributed, there's going to be substantial fees that are going to be paid in order for that to happen, which is unfortunate because it can all be very, uh, very easily avoided if you just do a little bit of planning ahead of time. So what do you suggest? I mean, there's a couple of ways to put an estate plan together. There's like a simple will, or you could get a trust. I mean, what what should people look at? What What is better for what person and versus the other? Well, each person is going to be very fact-specific, and that is something that when I meet with uh, potential clients or clients that I walk through with them, helping them make the decision, what should they have? Should they have a will or a trust? That's a big one that people are not sure about, and they tend to interchange the term will and trust all the time, including my own dad. And actually, that is mistake number two that I go over um, in my 10 Mistakes seminar is people that have died with just a will. So people who die with just a will, they tend to be just a little notch above people that died and did not do anything. And they're only a little notch above because at least in the will, they're directing where they want their assets to go rather than leaving it up to California. But unfortunately, with a will, they are not going to avoid probate. So that's one of the biggest things that I tell people to remember um, uh, during my seminars is a will does not avoid probate. So that's a very common misconception, and people will interchange uh, will and trust quite often, whereas a properly drafted and a properly funded living trust will absolutely avoid probate upon your death. All right. So let's say I have a will. I die. I'm dead, right? I, at least I documented what I want to have happen. What's the big deal about probate? Well, the big, pro the big deal about probate are t is typically the fees involved. So the fees tend to be quite substantial here in California. Um, in fact, we have the most uh, costly fees across the country. In other states, uh, probate can be much less expensive. Uh, in addition, here in California, probate is very lengthy. So it usually takes about 12 to 18 months as long as there's no problems. If there's any problems, then it can turn into years very quickly. Whereas other states, other states probate can be very simple, very quick. So usually I'll find people from these other states or if they have loved ones die in these other states where it's simpler, they tend to think, okay, well, having a will is just fine. And and here in California, it's just not going to cut it. You don't want your assets to go in probate because it's going to be a long process for your family. It's going to be very expensive. And then it's also a public process. So that means anybody gets to pull the probate record. They get to see what you owned at your death. They get to see what you owed at your death. They get to see who your beneficiaries are going to be, what their ages are, what their addresses are. They get a whole lot of information when you let your assets uh, go through the probate process. Whereas if they go, if they pass through a trust, 
then it's all going to be done privately outside of court. So, Nicole, we hear that, that uh, probate fees are pretty expensive. And, and so what, what about a person that has a $700,000 home and, say, $300,000 in a trust account? So they've got a million dollars that goes through mm-hmm. probate. What kind of fees would they expect to pay or their estate would expect to pay? Okay, so if they have an actual, if they have a million dollars of assets that are, are subjected to probate, they're going to be paying about 5% of the gross estate. So it's gross. I always tell people to emphasize gross. So the, the court doesn't cut off any mortgage, any type of debt to come up with their fees. They will take whatever the gross estate is, and it's going to be, it's going to be 5% of, of that amount. So in, in, in your example, the fees would be substantial. And does, that, the, does, we, does that include everything like the court fees and the trustee fees and the attorney's fees and so forth? Yeah, that that will that those are the statutory fees. So those are going to include the the court fees and all the other fees that come along with the with the probate. Now that's just an average. An attorney can actually go in and also ask for extraordinary fees. So those fees can actually um, be raised. So that's just that's just an average that we we take a look at is that five percent, but it can become substantially more. Well, now when you take a look at families and second marriages and kids with first marriages and things, I mean, it gets fairly complex. And probably a will would not maybe be as, I, I guess, efficient than maybe more elaborate estate planning, especially when you have blended fa- uh, families. Is that an accurate uh, statement? Absolutely. Blended families are a huge problem. And a, a blended families can be as far as uh, intestate succession getting involved. Intestate succession meaning California's plan for you. And that is because when we have blended families, our, our spouse's children are not our natural heirs. So unless we proactively plan what's going to happen when the first one of us dies in the married couple and then what's going to happen when both of us die, then what I see most often in the blended families is when one spouse dies and everything goes to that surviving spouse, they'll either intentionally cut out the stepchildren or if we have a situation where they absolutely adore their stepchildren, but they fail to do any any further planning besides that simple will that they had, then when they die, their assets are going to go to their natural heirs, which are not going to include their prior spouse's um, children. So we see this we see this happen quite often, where we'll see children from a prior marriage cut out simply because of the lack of planning, and even when maybe their step parent didn't want to cut them out. Uh, the rules of California is the one that did cut them out. So it's it's really unfortunate. It's see something. It's something we see at least weekly in my office. Uh, people calling and wanting to find a way that they can access their their dad's assets, and um, unfortunately, there's not much they can do at that point. So when you're in a blended family, you definitely want to have a living trust because in your trust, you're able to spell out the rules for this is what's going on when we're both alive. This is what's going to happen when one of us dies, and then this is what's going to happen when um, we're both gone. So then that way we don't accidentally cut out our own children, have our own children cut out. Hey, folks, this is just a tease. We're talking to Nicole Newman. Uh, We're doing a workshop at Orange Coast College coming up Tuesday, June 14th. It's at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. June 14th, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., Orange Coast College. Here's the number. If you want to register, this will fill up, 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. And I think uh, the tuition 
is free of charge. Am I not mistaken there? That's what I think. Or, Al, you're going to be at the door and charge 50 bucks and pocket it. <laughs> well, they're, <laughs> they're going to charge me to go, I'm sure. That's for sure. Uh, hey, Nicole, thanks so much for your time. I know you're a very busy woman, and uh, we look forward uh, to a great presentation coming up here in the next week or so. Oh, well, you're welcome, and thank you for having me on. I look forward to it. All right, that's Nicole Newman, folks. 888-994-6257. we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll be back in just a second. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm with Alan Copeland. Uh, happy weekend. Hopefully everyone had a safe Memorial Day weekend, a little three-day weekend. Yeah, I, I saw you had a big party at your place. Oh, huge. Yeah, gigantic. I saw, saw it on Facebook. Yeah. Death Leopard played. <laughs> wow, that is pretty good. No, I'm kidding. Uncle Cracker? Yeah, Uncle Cracker, he showed up. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, we had a couple people. Had a yeah. little barbecue. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Look, you were in Colorado. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you were in Colorado. Oh. All right, let me get into because this is going to take me a couple minutes just to kind of set up. And then I'm going okay. To bring... This is this is like the 2.0 strategy, yeah. right? All right. So, Journal of Financial Planning okay. is right here in my hand. Okay. And so I. So now that you just said that, everyone changed the channel. No, well, <laughs> I'm telling you that it's like okay. Well, you know what? Um, I read the Journal of Financial Planning just to make sure that we're not missing anything. And if anything comes out, and all of a sudden I was like, hey, guess what? They're talking about um, some Social Security strategy okay so i dug in a little bit deeper okay and then it was like oh when should you start your social security and what other strategies should you combine and i so i dove in a little bit deeper got right? it and guess what alan they must be listening to your money or wealth yeah because we're talking about that because all the they time. get into the taxation of social security benefits and planning implications uh so this is by greg geisler he's a phd and david who's was a PhD. Okay. So PhDs. Yeah, well, that's... The... I do not have a PhD. <laughs> I have a bachelor's degree in finance, and I have a certified financial planner designation. Yes. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. But it's not a PhD. Right. So, And, and you're also a 10-year radio host. Uh, yeah, that's... That's worth something. That, that's a PhD <laughs> whatever. It's something. So, all right. So you get into this. So Social Security strategies is that, all right, well, when should I take it? Should I take it at 62? Should I take it at full retirement age? Should I push it out to age 70? Usually our advice, and you've heard it on this uh, program before and with our clients, is like, okay, well, it probably makes sense to push this thing out as long as possible. And the faces we usually get is like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But in the back of their mind, you know they're thinking now. I'm going to take it as soon as yeah. I retire. As, yeah, I'm going to retire next month. Joe, Al, you don't understand. Yeah. I need the income. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at your numbers here. I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Nope, still going to take it. <laughs> so It is a huge emotional thing. It's and, a cr- and yes. And there, there's, there's a few factors, Joe. One, one is um, a lot. I think the biggest factor is people think that, wait, if, I, if I'm not taking Social Security, I have to take more out of my IRA or my savings account. I'm going to liquidate my money. I'm going to run out of money quicker. That's the one thing we get. The other thing that we get sometimes is, you guys, Social Security is running out of money. you got to take it as soon as you can. I mean, right. th- those are probably the two objections that we get. And well, and, and there's the the other emotional piece of this is that once you retire, let's say if you don't have a pension, right, and it's Social Security's the fixed income that I'm receiving, they're giving up a paycheck, right? So when you retire, you give up that steady stream of income that's coming from your employer or your employment, 
And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I got to create that income. They want at least some sort of base income. Right. Versus saying, all right, well, now I'm going to start depleting my assets without having any type of base, even though their social security might be 10% or 20% of what their total income need or want is, they still want to make sure that they have some sort of base. And I get that completely, totally understand that. But if they look at the numbers a little bit deeper and say, all right, well here, how is this going to benefit me long-term, right? So you, I, again, you have to have a long-term approach with anything in financial planning, investments, you have to have a little bit longer approach than what's gonna happen tomorrow. Because yeah, we can all get hit by a bus tomorrow. But if you push out your social security, you don't take in, you got hit by a bus. Okay, well, you got hit by the bus. You, you're, you're done. Who cares, you're done. It's not like you're gonna be upset. <laughs> In the afterlife, <laughs> your your last two seconds of life. It's like, damn it! I should have taken it early. So security. <laughs> right? It's only it's only two seconds of pain. Don't yes. worry about it. Right? Ding! Son of a gun. So, all right. So if I push this thing out, now bear with me. If you need the money, take the money. Yeah, right? So that's true. rule number one. If yeah. you need the money, take the money. What I mean by need the money, you don't have any other assets, right? Or you have very little other assets to maintain a, a, a modest lifestyle. But if you do have assets, like most of you do that listen to this program, and so you have assets outside of retirement accounts, you might have assets inside retirement accounts. Once you push off your Social Security benefits, you get an 8% delayed retirement credit. All right, so that's a pretty cool thing. So each year that you wait after your full retirement age, Social Security will guarantee an 8% delayed credit to the benefit. Plus, you also get the cost of living benefit. So if there's a cost of living that Social Security grants, um, the beneficiaries, right? Well, you would also participate in that cost of living adjustment, even though you're not taking it, you're delaying it. So you get the 8% and whatever the COLA is, right? Correct. So any given year, it could be 2%, 1%, 0, 2.5, whatever it is, okay? So it could be fairly substantial from 66 to age 70. If there's no cost of living adjustments, it's about, what, 133% increase in your overall benefit. Yeah, that's right. So, so to put some numbers to this, if, you're, if your benefit is 30000 per year at full retirement age, so that's age 66, if you wait till 70, it'll be over $40,000 per year, right? And so and that's for the rest of your life. There's some real benefits there of pushing it out because, first of all, that continues for life. As you just said, Joe, and each year it increases with cost of living. But not all of that is taxable. Only 85% worst case worst is case. taxable, which means 85% of that, let's call it $40,000, is subject to tax. And then the tax is based upon whatever your tax rate is. So 15% of that income, first of all, is tax-free. Now, state of California, it's 100% tax-free. So we talk a lot about tax-free income on this show. And if you can create tax-free income, that's a great way to go. Social Security income is tax-free in California. So wouldn't it be nice to have that benefit be larger? because that's tax-free. Now, for some of you, because you've done some other planning, maybe you're only going to pay taxes on 50% of your Social Security, or some of you will pay no taxes on Social Security. On a lot larger benefit. Right. Because you've done some planning up front. You're saying, okay, I have this money in my retirement accounts. I have some money outside. Maybe it might make sense for me to start converting money from my 401k into a Roth IRA, right? 
and then now you're going to have, and so you do that from your retirement age, or you want to start as soon as you possibly can. But once you retire, the numbers of conversion, and what a conversion is, again, is just taking money from a qualified plan, an IRA, 401k, and then you're just moving that up into a Roth IRA. The dollars now in a Roth IRA will forever grow tax-free for you. You do pay the tax on the conversion, so you got to be careful on how much that you convert. You want to make sure that you have a strategy here, okay? But so then you start converting, chipping away at your retirement accounts. And then getting those into a Roth IRA, paying a little bit of tax along the way. Then you push out your Social Security benefits to age 70. All right. Now you have a lot larger Social Security benefit, which is going to be tax favored to you, which is a guaranteed income with a cost of living adjustment potentially throughout your life. And then you start pulling money from your Roth IRA. Guess what? The Roth IRA distributions are not included in what is called provisional income. What provisional income, all, all you need to worry about there is that they look at that and they calculate a certain threshold, dollar threshold, to determine how much, if any, is your uh, of your Social Security is subject to tax. So if you have a large distribution coming from a Roth right, versus your IRA, well, that's not going to be included in the provisional income. Hence, your Social Security benefits are going to be significantly reduced in the in your taxable income potentially if you do this right. Yeah, that, and that's a really big deal, Joe. Because what we're talking about is is if you can pay a little bit of tax up front before age seventy and a half, before you require distributions, and live off of other resources for a period of time. By the time you get to seventy and a half, you got a lot less required distributions. That's lower income. Roth IRA uh, distributions are tax free. And so maybe less of your Social Security is going to be subject to tax. It's it's a pretty big deal. And Joe, this is to me, it's all about trying to gain control over your taxes because there are some strategies to do that. This is actually a really good one. And there's <laughs> there's probably two or three others that you attach to this to make it even better. But the problem is I think a lot of people don't realize they have any control over their taxes. But I'll tell you this, in retirement, you have more control than any other time in your life. You may not be getting this advice though from your current advisors because they may not understand how to lower your taxes in retirement because it's not necessarily their expertise. The only way to lower your taxes that I'm aware of is by having a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll be back in just a second. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called uh, Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Alan Klopine, hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, go to our podcast, iTunes, Your Money, Your Wealth. Great. Good stuff. Great huh? podcast. Yeah. You like them? I, I love. Love. <laughs> you not love, our podcast. You love, yeah. Well, I thought, <laughs> not ours. No. Yeah. Your Money, just Your the, Wealth. No, just podcast in, in general. general. I, actually, I completely agree with you, Joe. I think there's a lot of good information out there. And if you're so inclined and you like our show, you can actually listen to us on podcasts, too. Yeah, and you can uh, write a little review if you choose to. Yes. Yeah, we are uh, we need some more reviews. That'd be great, huh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Where, where are we going here? What do you got, bud? Well, I think I want to continue our discussion on Social Security. Uh, and I want to add yet a third strategy to what you were talking about. And just, right. just, to, just to recap. 
So we were talking about instead of taking your Social Security as soon as you retire, right? why not delay it a little bit? If you can afford it, if you've got some other assets to live off of, so that's that's kind of a caveat. But if you can afford it, why not why not delay your Social Security? Because at full retirement age, every year that you wait, your your benefit will be eight percent higher than it was the year before, and that compounds for the entire rest of your life. And then when you do that, then you you'll have a higher benefit. If you pass away, your spouse takes over your benefit if it's higher. So that's a really good thing. Not all of it's taxable. And then we said, well, if you do that, then you're not going to have the Social Security income. You're going to be in a lower bracket. You can do some Roth conversions to get money out of your IRAs, 401ks. You pay a little tax now while you're in lower brackets, but that means you can have more tax-free income in the future from your Roth IRA and your Social Security. Now, what about this, Joe? What if you also have a home that you are planning to downsize? You You want to either downsize in your current location or you want to sell your home in Southern California, move to where your kids are to be close to your grandkids and buy a cheaper home. Okay, that's cool. But right now, it's it's like, well, if I sell my home, don't I have to pay taxes? Well, not necessarily, right? Because there's this exclusion. Uh, it's called a 121 exclusion. If you're a married couple, you get a $500,000 gain exclusion. So that means you bought the home for $400,000 years ago. You sell it for $900,000 right now. That's a $500,000 gain. The IRS says the first $500,000 gain is tax-free. And so, all right, so now I got $900,000. I'm going to have to save some of it to buy a new home wherever I'm going, but I'm going to have extra proceeds that I can live off of for a few years instead of pulling from my other savings. It allows me to delay my Social Security uh, so that I get that benefit, and I can do Roth conversions because I'll be in a low tax bracket. Now I've accomplished a whole bunch of things all at one time, and I set myself up by the time I hit 70 and a half, my required distributions, I'll be in a lot lower tax bracket. I'll pay a lot less tax for life. Right. <clears throat> you have to look forward though, don't you? It's I think with, with that anything in life, people kind of just live day by day and I get that planning for your overall retirement. Most people want plan more, you know, to buy a new car, their vacations and everything else than they do with their overall retirement. In the, the, I don't know, there's all sorts of different rationale behind it. They don't necessarily want to face the music that they might be a little bit behind, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening to this program and you might have listened to the same one. So this lady calls in, and she's like, hey, um, I'm retired. My husband's going to work for another five years and wanted to see if you could help me with some retirement advice. Okay. All right, go ahead. So she's like, all right, well, here, um, you know, we need to spend about 7000 a month. My husband right now is making $100,000 a year. My Social Security is about $20,000 a year. And then after taxes, we're spending about seven seventy $7,500 a month. Okay. Right. And we need to continue to spend this money. And my husband's going to retire in five years. So, all right. Well, let's see here. How much money do you have? $280,000. All right. So your Social Security is $20,000. You have $280,000. And how much do you think your husband's Social Security is going to be? Well, it's going to be about... It's about the same, twenty grand. Okay. So you got forty thousand dollars fixed income. Okay. Okay. And they want to spend seven thousand a month. Okay. Okay. So seven thousand a month is call it, call it eighty four. Yeah, or ninety or eighty. Yeah, let's, let's call it eighty. Well, even round up to ninety. I mean, whatever. But we'll say eighty. Eighty. Yeah. Okay. Let's give them the bet, right? Okay. So All right. Eighty. 000. Eighty thousand bucks they need. Forty thousand so is fixed income, so they need another forty thousand. Okay. Plus tax. Sure. Right. Plus whatever, and then a, a cola on top of that. Yes. Right. So forty grand is what they need. Okay. 
They have 280000 bucks. He wants to retire in five years. Okay. Right? So do the calculation. So $40,000, 40000 times 25. 25 is a million. About a million bucks. It's about what you need, get, okay. give or take. So you got 280000 And so he's going through kind of a similar exercise with her, right? Right. And then she's like, well, well no, no, no. Well, you don't get it. I, we, we need to start spending some of the money now. He's like, what are you talking about? No. Save. You need to start saving as much as you can. You need a million bucks. You've got 280000 to get there in five years. Yeah, you got some work. you got some work to do. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to significant. You're going to have to reduce your lifestyle. She's like, well, no, we, we can't. And he's like, well, I don't get it. Your husband's making hundred grand. you got twenty grand. That's 120000 bucks. Why do you need? Well, there's going to be some expenses coming in and this and and so it's like, right, you can just scream, no, you can't. Well, and then so she's, she's like, well, all right, I understand what you're saying. And then right at the, almost at the end of the call. So where should I pull the money again from? <laughs> the guy just gives up. It's, we, we get that too, don't we? Oh, it's all I, the time. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's like, uh, and I, I would say often, Joe, it happens with very successful professionals that make a good income, but they end up spending a lot and they expect to have that lifestyle in retirement, which we all should aspire to that. We all should have the same lifestyle in retirement or better, right? That's what we're hopefully saving for. But if you're spending every single penny uh, and you're not saving, I mean, we've had cases where people, we've run through that same calculation and they need 100,000 a year. They're short 100,000 a year. And we look at what they got, they got 150,000. And so it's like, well, have a great year and a half. Yeah, you're done. Because that's all you got. And it's just the arithmetic that you need to do, and I get it, is that, all right, well, here, I don't necessarily want to face the music, but there's a lot of other things that you can do, right? You could push out your retirement a couple of years, right? You can look at some, maybe some tax planning strategies that will carry your dollar a little bit longer because you're giving less to Uncle Sam, making sure that you're maximizing the rate of return possible given the overall portfolio, and making sure that you have the right portfolio set up to give you the income that you need. Right. So are you still trying to accumulate wealth or have you made the choice here to say, you know what, I have to change the overall portfolio because my life has changed and I now need to draw money, income from the overall portfolio. Sure. When you're saving money and accumulating wealth is totally different once you retire and start creating income because you have sequence of return risk, you have inflation risk, you have tax risk, you have geopolitical risk, you have market risk. I mean, the list goes on and on. And if you can identify those risks given your specific situation and have a game plan to say, this is how I'm going to avoid or mitigate these risks in my personal situation as much as I can, you need to make sure that you sit down with someone to get this thing tight. Because what we're doing today is we're talking about figuring out how to create some cash flow, right? And it's difficult now more than ever before with interest rates so low, crazy markets, taxes, and everything that I just mentioned. The answer to this is not some off-the-shelf or one-size-fits-all solution. The answer is having a plan that makes the most out of all of your resources. I mean, it's uh, that's common sense, but you, I think sometimes we forget that. You just take a look at what you have and maximize everything as much as you can. And I'm telling you, when everything works together, you'll be shocked at the result. Got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. 